0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: On October 30th, 1938, there was an episode of the American radio drama anthology series um, Mercury Theater air called War of the Worlds, okay, back in 1938, and it was actually narrated by Orson Welles, you know, and um, what's very interesting about this radio program is the first two-thirds of this 60-minute broadcast was a series of Simulated news bulletins did, 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 did. hey, we bring to you a special news bulletin. The problem was guys is that is that people started to freak out. they really thought that that the war of the world 's back in thirty eight that that we were being invaded by Martians, and it was just it was crazy. Each bulletin that went out and it 's a radio program, each bulletin suggested to many of the listeners that there was a quote-unquote actual Martian invasion happening right then and there. Well, you can imagine what happens, right? There wasn't TV. There wasn't Internet. There wasn't something that we could check. There wasn't a source that we could look. This was coming on the radio, and people were freaking out, okay? Widespread panic. Those who only heard just a portion of the broadcast entered into this tension and anxiety. I mean, it was unbelievable. And they were thinking, in fact, oh my goodness, the world is over. We are actually being invaded by, what? The Martians, right? Now, that happened when... 1938. Well, fast forward, guys, 15 years. In 1953, somebody actually made a movie of this radio broadcast. Now, at the end of the broadcast, they're going, no, 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 it wasn't a real calm down because there was widespread panic. Well, somebody decided to make a movie, right, in 1953. Um, And for those of you who weren't around, like me, okay, there was another movie made in 2005. You guys know, you know what I'm talking about. Now, labor with me for just a moment, okay? If you haven't seen the movie War of the Worlds, I want you to cover your ears if you plan to see it because I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Let me just ask this How many of you saw the 2005 movie War of the Worlds? Raise your hand. How many of you have seen it? A few of us have seen it, right? Yeah. Some of us go, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, listen. Here's the here's the premise of the whole movie, okay? Earth is being invaded, don't don't, right? It's crazy. It's being invaded by what these alien tripod fighting machines. And inside these tripods were these ugly alien-looking dudes now. In 2005, the movie's a bit different than the 1953 movie. So, if you saw the 1953 movie, you're going, "Hey, it's a little bit different." But nonetheless, guys, let me just premise this. The enemy, right, is still invading Earth. And they were these wicked, ugly-looking tripods, okay? Now, let me just stop there for a moment. If you've ever been to Dallas, you see these big, what are they, right? The wind, what are they called? Tur- turbines, right? I think those are the, war of the world of worlds. <laughs> They're not tripods, but I'm like, those things are aliens, man. They're gonna, Anyways, so think about it, right? So if memory serves me right, these tripods back in the movie... They have been hiding on earth for a long time, waiting for just the right time to begin their invasion. Now, listen for just a moment the way one person summarizes the movie, okay? Tom Cruise is in the movie. And he's this working class, you know, man living in in New Jersey and he's been estranged from his family and his life is out of order, out of control. He's all caught up in himself, but the unthinkable and the unexpected happens to him in an extraordinary sense. This small town life is shaken violently by the arrival of these destructive intruders. Who are they? Aliens, which have come in the masses to destroy earth. They plow through the country towards the, towards a wave of mass destruction and violence. Cruz, right? The star of the story must come to the defense of his children. Now, as the world fends for itself, everybody doing a new enemy, right, advances. Not an enemy of this world that focuses on destroying all who inhabit the world, right? This is known as the war of the worlds. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. You're going, Pastor, it's not even five minutes into your sermon. What is... What in the world does this movie have to do with James Chapter Four? right? What does it have to do well i 'm glad you asked why? Because in the movie, the aliens were these huge now remember tripod machines, and as I got to thinking kind of about the movie and and you know we just we had just driven to Dallas and we saw these turbines, and I was like, those are they you know I started thinking about this. It dawned on me guys that. Although we're not fighting alien tripod Martians, we're sort of dealing with the common tripod enemy. You go, well, Pastor, how so? I'm not following you. Well, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'll show you real quick, and then we'll come back to James chapter 4. Say amen if you're in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this in verse 1 as Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says, And you he made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now I love that verse right there. Why? Because I once was dead. He says, now God has made you alive. And I go, Amen. I was dead in trespasses and sin. Everybody got that. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Well, we need to just kind of break down this Bible study for just a moment. Paul, as he writes to the Ephesians and he writes to us, he says that you guys, we were, you were alive right? But you were once dead, and now you're alive, right? You gave your life to the Lord. He says, remember when you used to walk according to the course of this world? The word walk there is very interesting because it's the word meandered. It's meandered. It's not going straight. It's kind of back and forth, you know. Have you gals ever meandered at the mall? We don't meander. We go straight. We get what we need. No, no, no. We go, oh, look at that, and and we're meandering. Oh, what about this? And and, and now, guys do that at the hardware store. I'm telling you right now, at Lowe's, they just meander. But this is what the word means, right? It says, meander according to where? According to the course of this world. And you go, well, what does world, what, is, what are you talking about? Well, the, world, the word world there means human society apart from God. So now you've got people, you said, you and I used to walk in the world, we used to walk according to the world's systems that was completely apart from God. Do you guys remember when you did that? Do you remember when you were walking and meandering and doing your own thing in the world, right? Everything was apart from God. When you think about your life prior to coming to Jesus, you think about all the stuff that you used to laugh at that was mocking to God that created us. Well, we didn't know any better, right? We were dead inside, so we would see something. Ha <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was the very thing, the very sin that put Jesus on the cross. Oh, yeah, I remember that pastor. I don't want Can we not talk about this? Here's what I want you to jot down, okay? If you're taking notes, the tripod number 1, we're going to see Paul says is the world. That's the first leg of the tripod. It's the world. Okay? Why? Well, according to Ephesians 2, he says that we once walked to what? according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who walks works in the sons of disobedience. So you go, wait a minute. So the first tripod is the world. Yes, remember, we once walked according to the, help me, world. You guys remember that? But now he says, now we walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You go, Ben, who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan is termed the prince of the power of the air because the air, now listen, is supposed to be a region in which malicious spirits dwell. You go, what do you mean? All who are under the influence of Satan. You go, what? See, you got to understand that everything above the air, that's kind of where the spirits dwell. And I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Most churches, most Christians who are following Jesus will be attacked. Okay, you're going to step out in faith. The enemy's going to come and he's going to try to trip you up. He's going to try to get you. He just does that all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But when you start moving into his territory, like trying to purchase a radio station where you're going to broadcast over the airways, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is now entering his territory. That's what Ephesians just tells us. So we go, well, what's the first tripod? Once again, guys, the first leg of the tripod is the world. The second of the tripod, Paul just told us, it is none other than the devil or Satan. That's the second leg. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Look at verse three. Among whom also we all once conducted or behaved ourselves in the lust of our flesh, what were we doing? Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. You go, Pastor, explain that to me. Paul comes and he says, listen. He said, listen, you, you, you've got enemy number one. You once walked in the world. Do you remember that? The world system apart from God. Yeah, I remember that. He says, you got enemy number two. He says, you've got the prince of the power of the air. Okay, that's the second leg, and you go, okay. And he says, now the third, he says, the third of this tripod alien being is now, it's your flesh, your flesh. Why? Because he just told us, he says, among whom also we all behaved ourselves in the lust of our flesh. What did we do? We were fulfilling our desires. We were fulfilling the desires of our flesh. Whatever we thought in our mind, that's what we did, and by nature... We were children of wrath. Guys, if you're taking note, you can put somewhere around your Bible, flesh is the old nature we inherited from Adam that was prone to sin. So we know we've got this tripod alien being. Paul tells us in the first three verses of chapter 2, you've got the world that's coming against you. Okay, You've got the devil who's coming against you. And then the third is none other than our flesh our flesh Now do you see how the movie ties into our study this evening You go yeah okay so so in the movie War of the World you have these tripod alien beings that want to want to what they want to destroy the earth in mass destruction you're like I'm in I got it I seen the movie pastor I got it If you didn't see the movie you probably will want to see the movie it's kind of weird but nonetheless in our real life we have the tripod alien beings who the world the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. This tripod enemy of God is just like the aliens in the movie. When you gave your lives to Jesus, guys, we begin to see the tripod enemy of our lives. You go, well, how so? Well, first we realize that when you gave your life to Jesus... You had a destructive intruder come in. Do you realize that the enemy wants to what? Do nothing but kill, rob, and destroy. Do you guys get that? Do you remember our our teaching the other day where we said, what? Where we said that that there's not a whole lot of people who really believe in Satan. That some of them, some of them in in a Barna research group said, hey, there's just half, half of born-again Christians really don't believe in Satan. And we're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have this dude, guys, that what? He brings in, just like the movie, he comes with destructive intruder. Number two, he brings waves of mass destruction and violence, especially in the church. And number three, they are an advanced enemy, not of this world. So if you're taking notes, guys, I'm calling this message, you ready? Jot this down, War of the Worldliness. War of the Worldliness. And you go, wow, that's a clever title. Why did, you, why did you name it that? Well, because James now wants to teach us that we are at war, okay? And he says sometimes we're at war with each other, and we definitely know we're at war with God. And he shows us from the word where it comes from, our worldliness. Now, listen, even though we're saved, there's still a battle that we all have to deal with. As we come to James chapter 4, Here's what we're going to learn. You guys ready? We're going to learn that the same, we're going to learn that we will deal with the same three enemies that Paul told us about in Ephesians. Okay? So, for the sake of our study, let's just put in our minds, we're going to call them the alien tripod, right? If I were to ask you, what's the alien tripod in our life? It would be the world, the devil, and the flesh. Everybody got that, right? And it wants to rise up, and it wants to cause destruction in your life. Now, freestyle series is that I want to give you a topic where you go, okay, okay. So last week we learned about what? That we're under attack, right? We're under attack. We saw that as the deer pants for the water, we realized that only time that a deer pants for water is when he's under attack. And we took that and we said, okay, I've got to to put that in my life because I need to realize that there are going to be times in my life when the enemy is attacking. And what should I do? Well, I gave you four things, right? I said, you need to stop listening to yourself, right? When you're depressed, don't try to cheer yourself up because that never works. And I said, you need to start talking to yourself the right way, right? Exactly. And then go straight to God. So on a practical level, we saw that we were what we do under attack. But what about what about when when we've got this alien tripod wanting to destroy our walks with God, wanting to destroy our lives, wanting to get in our minds, wanting to mess up our what do we do? James says, "Listen, I, I've got that, and I want to I want to kind of show you how this works." Okay. So they are these alien tripods. Well, what's the point, Pastor? Well, here it is, guys. James is looking at you, and he wants to make you even a stronger, mature believer. You see, the whole book of James, James is the half-brother of Jesus, but he's more of a servant, and here's what he says. I want to see you guys grow stronger in the faith. He says, as you begin to walk with Jesus, as you begin to walk your walk with Jesus, he says, I want you to grow stronger. I don't want you to be weak. Why? Here's what we know about the Christian life. The Christian life is, if we're not moving forward, can I get an amen? We're moving backward. You see, we so, sometimes we think in the Christian life, we're just going to stand still. Okay, I'm just going to pause. I'm just going to leave it right here for a moment. I'm going to take a breather. because Life is hard, and being a Christian is really hard. And, 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 and here's what he's saying. He's saying, "Listen, we have to keep moving still, we have to keep moving forward, because as a believer, you were once planted, OK, and now you're starting to grow. And some of us are baby Christians here, and, and we're just growing, and we need a lot of water and we need a lot of sunshine, and we need some miracle grow, and, and some of us are a little bit bigger right? We've grown a little bit in the Word, and some of us are, are getting stronger. That's what James wants to do. James wants to remind each one of us, you're on a growth, right? You're growing strong, and he says, I want to keep you growing stronger. I want you to mature in the Word of God, okay? I want to, even though, even though you have tough, tough issues to deal with. And so James comes with this strong admonition, and he teaches us, the importance of this theme, the important theme of war in this portion of Scripture, okay? If you're taking note, James will give us the cause. He's going to give us the consequences. He's going to give us the cure. And then at the end of our study, we're going to see the characteristics of those who are worldly, okay? He's going to say, let's talk about, let's talk about what? He says, the first thing we want to talk about is the cause. What causes worldliness? What causes us to say goodbye to Jesus? What causes us to stop mid-stride mid in our walks with God and then double back and go back to the place where we don't want to go? We don't want to be back here. We know what it's... Uh, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you come here, oh, he's so good. He's amazing. I love him. And then you find yourself over here and you're going, I miss Jesus. I just miss him. I miss him. I know I tasted him over there. And it was wonderful. He was so good in my life. I don't know what I'm doing here. James says, okay, there's going to be some hard times, but we're going to see the what? The cause. Okay? We're going to see what causes that in scripture. Number two, we're going to see the consequences of worldliness. I don't like consequences. I don't like consequences. But then James loves us enough and he says, let me give you the cure. Okay? The cure. If James was a doctor, he would be a good doctor to go to. Why? Because he's going to come and he's going to tell us, okay, this is what happened, right? This is what happened. This is the consequence of what happened, but here, let me go ahead and give you the cure. We all want the cure. We all want the cure. If you've been to the doctor recently and they've told you the cause of your condition, they told you the consequences if you don't get it fixed, and then they give you the cure, but you don't take the medicine, what happens? You, you, you don't get healed, right? Yeah, went to the doctor the other day. They gave me some medicine. Oh, how are you feeling? Oh, I feel crummy. Why? I haven't taken it. Well, why not? I don't know. But... If you take this, you'll be better. Yeah, I know. I just haven't. We don't do that in real life, do we? We're taking it five seconds right right as you get the prescription. You're like, give me that pill. I need it now. Hurry, I just want to feel better. I feel yucky. And so we drive off, we get our prescription, and we start to feel better. The cause, the consequence, the cure. He's going to look at some characteristics. But where's the battle, really? You go, Pastor, I think it's the alien tripod, right? Because like you just said, we're at war with the flesh. Anybody at war with your flesh? At war with the world? And how about the devil? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So point number one, let's jump into our study. Paul's giving us in Ephesians point number one, the cause, war with the flesh. Okay, James starts out by asking somewhat of a rhetorical question. Look at verse 1 of James chapter 4. James writes, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? So how does he start off? Okay, guys, if you're taking note, remember, this is the first thing we really need to talk about. You go, why? Because we're going to go to war with our flesh. Everybody say flesh. Why is What is what is with the flesh? Well, we know that that's going to be the root cause of going to war. It's the root cause of worldliness. It's our flesh. Paul tells us in the word of God that we are to crucify our flesh when? Daily. Daily. He says crucify the flesh daily because this flesh wants to rear its ugly head and do what it wants to do, and it's always apart from the word of God. I think we need to crucify our flesh hourly. You know what I mean? You're like, I need to check my life hourly sometimes. Man. So what does he say? He says, where, church, listen, where do wars and fights come, come from among you? Somewhat rhetorical. Then he gives us the answer. He says, do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? If you're taking note, war here." Uh, You can circle it because he says, where do word come from? And sometimes that's in a single encounter or sometimes it's a series. And if, if the Greek word is actually battle, fight, to throw down, you guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, this, he says, where do these battles come? Where do these fights? Guys, we must note, James points out, where do they come from? You ready? They come from among you. You go, whoa, 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 what do you mean? We must know that James points out that wars and fights come from us. Now, I want, you to think about just, I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? Let it sink in. The war in your heart is helping to cause the war in the church. There's a war going on in your heart, right? Wars come out because what James says is you want your own way. And you fight for it deep inside yourself. You go, wait, 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 wait." what did James just say? James said, listen, where do wars and fights come?
0: They come from deep inside us.
1: Tell it to me straight, James. I just did. The problem is, is that we know this is sin, right? We know this is sin. The essence of this sin, you ready? Jot this down it's selfishness. Selfishness. That's where we get in trouble all the time. Selfishness. That's the essence of the sin. Where do wars wars and fights come? Why, Why is this battle of the flesh? The battle of the flesh comes because we want what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Am I lying? Am I Right? Think about this for a moment. Think about this. I think this happens to all of us. I've used this illustration for years, but I think it's a good illustration. If you really want to know your heart, go to a restaurant where they have a waiting list. Give them your name. Stand back. Welcome to so-and-so. Can. Okay, um, party of two, party of three, party of four. Okay, it'll be 10 minutes. Is that okay? Ten minutes is fine. You step back. You sit there and you wait. Then you watch another couple come in. They, you know, are behind you, right? They came in later. And all of a sudden, you say, and you see, you see the host or hostess get menus and take that couple before you. What's the first thing you do? Praise God. I'm glad they got to eat before us. Thank you, Jesus. What's the first thing we do, guys? Oh hey, whoa hey, we we were here first. There too, we're too. What what are you doing? And we get in the flesh, don't we? And we watch people go, and it comes, it the flesh comes out. It just rears its ugly head, and you're like, wow. What makes it worse is go, hi, I'm Pastor Ben. You come to my church, no? And there's like after you just am i right it comes from being selfish because we're taught it's about me that's not christianity is it what does the bible say the bible says that we need to es- now listen listen this is going this is going to hurt you need to esteem others higher than yourself that's not nature that's not human nature for us to go i need to put you first how are you doing How's it going? What can I do? That's not us. We need to get there. But man, it takes a work of the Spirit. I mean, it's a a battle, right? It's a battle. Uh, So the essence of the sin is selfishness. Now, think about this, okay? Let me ask you this. Eve disobeyed God. Amen? Why? Why did she disobey God? Because she wanted to eat from the tree and be like God. Right? When you think about Genesis, I mean, think about this whole thing. Here's Eve. She's having a conversation with a snake. Sidebar, you girls right here, don't talk to snakes. You got it? And you go, We don't talk to snakes. I'm not talking about the slithery thing. I'm talking about these cool cats that think, you know, there's something going, They're snakes. Don't even have a convo with them. Okay, that's just a sidebar. But she wanted she wanted to be like God, right? Hey, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. I'll be like God. That came from where, guys? That came from deep in her heart. Think about Abraham. You guys know Father Abraham, right? Think about him. You realize that Abraham lied about his wife because he selfishly wanted to save his own life? You go, well, Ben, technically, he didn't lie. He said that was my sister, and he was sort of at her half. No, he lied. He went, hey, uh, tell, baby, listen, you're beautiful, baby. Listen, you're beautiful. And if they know you're my wife, baby, guess what's going to happen? They're going to kill me to take you. So just tell them you're my sister. Right? Don't we all do that? And you go, what do you mean? How many times in your life have you tried to help God out because you think he couldn't do the job? That's what Abraham did. He tried to help God out. God, let me help you. Listen, listen, uh, sweetie, do what I tell you. God was going to work it out, right? He worked it out in the end, right? We just want to take... I mean, he just... Anyway, he was selfish. Don't kill me. Think about Achan. Do You guys remember Achan, right? In the book of Joshua. Achan, right? He was aching for some stuff, right? He caused the defeat of Israel because he selfishly took some of the forbidden things. God said, Israel, we're going to invade Jericho, right? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, right? The walls came to Emmeline down. Achan goes, Hey, I know I'm not supposed to take this stuff. This is what God said, but listen. I was looking at my wife the other day and she could use some some new sandals and man, she could use some new stuff. Listen, nobody will miss this stuff, nobody. And he pulled it, remember? And he hid it under his tent. Aiken ended up, do you guys remember what happened to Aiken Achan? Yeah. Achan ended up being stoned and his whole family because he disobeyed God. Where did it come from? selfishness so he's battling the flesh i just listen we you know what we've lived in a we lived in a one tent house all our lives i think if i sell some of the stuff we can get two tents we can get a three tent maybe maybe one chariot you know garage it would be awesome god'll never miss this anybody with me you know what i'm talking about that's how we do don't we that's how we do God's not going to miss any of this. I know his word says this, but I think I know better. I think I know better. And, and he ended up taking some forbidden things. You go, Pastor, give me the point. Here it is. You ready, church? We need to be careful. We need to be careful, church, because our selfish desires for pleasure can lead us to wrong prayers and wrong actions. Look at what James says in verse 2. He tells us, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you do not have because you don't ask. And you ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. In case you were wondering what type of desires that leads us to conflict, James gives them to us, right? What does he say? He says covetousness leads to conflict. What do you mean? Well, let's go back. He says, you guys lust and you don't have. Oftentimes we see the word lust and we think, oh, that has to do with sexual, a man and a woman. And he's looking at her and he goes, oh, baby, I wish I had. Lust can be anything. He says, man, you, you're you driving down. And you say, oh, man, look at that car. I wish I had that car. And you start lusting for it. I want, I want that car. I want that house. I want, and you can just Whatever it might be, guys, he says, you lust and you do not have. What else does he say? He says, you lust and do not have. Anger and animosity lead to conflict. Anger and animosity lead to conflict. Why? Because he says, you murder. You murder. I ain't murder nobody. No, think about what he's saying, guys. The word kill or murder is startling, and it's meant to startle, according to... um, Hybert, this this um, commentator, he says James sought to force his readers to realize the depth of the evil of their bitter heart towards others. He's saying, guys, he, he, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing: jealousy and envy are two different things. When you're jealous that somebody has something, he says, man, I look at that. I wish I had that. Man, I really want that. That's that's cool, man. i have just oh. I. Envy is taking it a step further. He goes, man, I want that and I don't want you to have it. That's envy. And he's saying, guys, when we have a heart like that, James is telling us, he's going, listen, you got to check your heart for a moment. You got to check your heart for a moment. Why? Because God is going to give you, he's going to give you what you want and what you deserve, and, and 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 everything is good and pleasing to the Father. But when we get in our wicked heart, oh, I want that, and I don't want you to have it, and I don't know why you have it. He says, that's almost like murder. He says, listen, think about it. It's the bitterness of our hearts, the bitter hatred towards people. He goes, and then when you do ask, guys, you ask amiss. He says, you ask amiss. After dealing with the problem of no prayer, James addressed the problem of the selfish prayer. He says, listen, first of all, he says, you're not praying at all. And then when you do pray, think about your prayer. God, I want that. And I think I deserve it. And I've been serving you now for 25 years. And I've faithfully given to you, Lord. And I think I should. And right. that's He says, you ask amiss. Why? Because you know you're going to what? spend it on your own pleasures. That's what he says. And and what we really need to grasp here, guys, is that we need to see the heart that when they ask God, it's done purely with selfish motives. Selfish motives. We must remember that the purpose of prayer is not to persuade a reluctant God to do our bidding. The purpose of prayer is to align our will with his in partnership with him And to ask him to accomplish his will on earth. That's the whole purpose of prayer. How many times have we heard with prayer, it's so different. And we've heard TV preachers tell us, you need to pray and you need to just, you need to just claim that, whatever it might be, and, and so forth. And, and here's what Matthew says in 6.10. He says, guys, the purpose of prayer is not to persuade. God, if I could just twist your arm a little bit, if I could. But, but what it is, guys, is, is coming and aligning our will with his. God, listen, here's my heart. Here's my heart. I pray that, that so-and-so would be healed. And I and I pray this in Jesus' name, but I want to align my will with yours, God, because you see the big picture. I don't. I don't. And I just want to be a a willing, humble servant. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. You go, whoa, 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 okay. So so then he says, Yeah, listen, listen, you guys ask, that's prayer. He says, you don't receive. You ask amiss. You ask with wrong motives. How many times have we prayed for something and then we get mad at God because we think he should have given it to us when we really, 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 really realize that we prayed with wrong motives? We prayed with a motive to what? For my own pleasure.
0: For my own pleasure.
1: Not to advance the kingdom. Guys, listen. Let me just say this to you, okay? Jot this down somewhere. This is so important. Ready? Here it is. Quote, Christianity is not about you. Unquote. Christianity is not about, it's about Jesus. It's about us coming and lining up our will with who he is. That's why he called us. When we get saved, he doesn't save us just to save us. And go, okay, well, let's see. Holy Spirit, we've got a quota this month, so get down there and do some work. We've got to save some people. He saves us because he wants to align our hearts with his to do his work. And here's what I love. You guys ready? God has given every one of you an amazing gift. Some of you, multiple gifts. He's given you a gift. You got to ask him, God, what's my gift? And as you use that gift, man, for the kingdom, that's where you're aligning up. Then here's here's the thing. You ready? The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And you go, yes, that's the scripture I've been waiting for. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and then he's going to give me that guy because he's so cute. Or he's going to give me that gal, or he's going to give me that whatever it might be. No, no, no. Listen, the, the word, the rendering that delight yourself in the Lord, guys, means treat yourself to God, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But when you treat yourself to God, when you delight yourself in him, it's not stuff that you want anymore. It's people. Lord, Lord, I'm just delighted. And, and now I'm praying for the unsaved. I'm praying for the lost at our, at our campuses. We're praying for the lost at our jobs. Guys, we're praying for those that are far from Jesus. Amen? The lost. But we're also praying for those people that are lost who attend church regularly. That's even worse. They go to church, but they don't know my Jesus. And they're they're hoping that church attendance and offering and money and being very conservative is going to get them to heaven. I'm praying for those that are lost. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So that's the war with the flesh, okay? Where does it start? Deep than our heart. That is the cause. Well, what are the consequences? Well, the consequences are built in with the world, okay? The consequences are, are built in with war with the world, right? Now, it's going to get kind of heavy. You go, Pastor, it was heavy. I know, I'm sorry, but we've got to talk about this. Think about this for just a moment, right? The root of every war, internal or external, starts where? Rebellion against God. God, this is where war comes. Internal, external, here it is, right? It starts here. It's rebellion against God. God, I think I can do it my way a lot better. I think I can do it my way a lot better. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I love the way, I love the way Nathalie brings this out. She comes to me from time to time. She goes, Ben, there's probably 100 women in, the, in, in our church that can teach better than me. She goes, but God has called me to do it. God has called me to do it. And yes, that's how I feel. I feel that they're, they're you know what? I, I tell the guys all the time the only reason I'm the senior pastor is because I got here first. You know what I mean? But when we start with, I can do it better, why can't I preach? Why can't I do this? What about me? That starts in the heart rebellion against God instead of just coming and going, listen, what can I do? Because God is going to work it out anyway. You go, how do you know? If God had called me to be an assistant pastor, I would still be in Rio Rancho assisting my pastor. thats I know he would do that, but he kicked this baby bird out of the nest, right? We loaded up the U-Haul. We pushed it all in. We said, we're going to Lubbock. Here we go. Do you know anybody there? I don't know anybody there. You know, the next thing you know, old Ben's a millionaire. The kid folks said, Ben, move away from me here. Elope, Texas is the place you ought to be. So we loaded up the truck, and here we are. Right? We got to be careful, because that's where every war comes from. And James gets even deeper. Look at verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. I mean, James, really? Why are you calling me an adulterer? I didn't do an adulterer. I'm not an, you're not an adulteress. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen to me. We are, in fact, at war with the world, okay? This is a rebuke presented in the Old Testament vocabulary. God spoke this way in the Old Testament when his people were, what, attracted to some form of idolatry. James says here their covetousness was idolatry. And friendship with the world. Now, here's where it gets deep. You ready? According to Romans chapter 7, verse 4, it says this. That is how it is with you, my sisters and brothers, as far as the law is concerned. You have also died because you were part of the body of Christ. And now you belong to him who was raised from the death in order that we might be useful in the service of God. Romans chapter 4, verse 7. You go, Ben, what did he say? You know what it implies? That you were married to God. I don't know if you know this. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became married to God. Okay? You actually prayed a prayer and entered into a covenant. A covenant. You guys know what I'm talking about? A covenant. A covenant to what? Remain faithful. You see, it was just Sunday that Josh and Angel celebrated a two-year covenant. They stood right here and, and entered into a covenant. We call it a covenant of marriage to remain faithful to each other. And in the vows, it said forsaking all others. You guys remember that? You remember that in your vows? Yeah, forsaking all others. As a believer, guys, we are married to Christ. So what James just told us is friendship with the world Can be compared to adultery. Another word we can use here, guys, is you are being unfaithful. You are, you know, infidelity is another word we could use. I like the way the message puts this. Listen to the way James put this in the message. He says, You're cheating on God. If all you want to is your own way, flirting with the world, every chance you get, you end up enemies with God in his way. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you're cheating on God? Not me. I don't want to cheat on God. Man, that's what he's saying. When you start wink, wink with the world and you start flirting with the world and you have friendship with the world, he says, listen, that's you see, James here recognizes that, that we cannot both be friends with the world system in rebellion against God and marry to him as well. It goes on, James says, or do, you, what, or, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the home. Here's what he's saying. James is telling me, he says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and that his spirit is placed within us. We go, amen, right? We talked about that. Well, that should mean that we should remain faithful to him. That we should remain faithful to him. And that he gives grace generously. As the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The same Holy Spirit convicting us of our compromise will also grant us the grace to serve God as we should. That's what he's saying. The same God, same God. Number three, it's cure. What's the cure, right? What's the cure? Well, we know that the cure is tied into war with the devil because he's going to give us the cure over the war with the devil. Look at verse seven. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, that's what James tells us. He goes, therefore, now we've already talked. We've talked about what? We've talked about the cause, right? Our hearts, we've talked about the heart. In the flesh, man, doing what I want to do, selfishness. He says, here are the consequences, okay. Then he goes, now here's the cure. Therefore, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Guys, the world is in conflict with the Father and the flesh fights against the Holy Spirit, and now the devil opposes the Son of God through pride. Pride is Satan's great sin. God wants us to depend on his grace, but the devil wants us to depend on ourselves. That's exactly what he's talking about, right? You go, why? Guys, listen. Satan is the author of the all do-it-yourself spiritual endeavors. Just do it yourself. Don't pray. Just Walk in the flesh. Make decisions on emotion. Don't pray about it. That's exactly what he's doing, right? And it often reminds me of a quote from a pastor who once said, the anthem sung in hell is a, call, is a song called, I did it my way from Frank Sinatra, right? If you, ever, if you ever Google the lyrics, think about it. That's exactly what he said. He said, this is how life is. No matter what happened, I did it my That's not how I want to do it. I don't want to do it my way. My way's a mess. My way (laughs) leads to destruction. My way leads to... I don't want that. I don't want that. You go, well, Ben, 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 I got a question. What's the cure? What's the cure for the alien tripod? Well, do you guys remember in the movie? You go, I didn't see the movie. Okay, spoiler alert, don't listen to this part. In the movie, the aliens died because they were not immune Okay, they were not immune to the smallest germs in the world. They caught a cold and died. The Martians did. You go, no way. Yeah. You see, James gives us the same antidote. You go, he, he tells them to get a cold? No, no, no. Here's what he says for us. When it comes to that alien tripod, he says, submit to God. Submit to God. Right? Isn't that what he says? Therefore, submit to God, guys. Remain in the Lord. Run to God. Run to God. And he says, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Who are we supposed to draw near to? God, right? And God's going to draw. That's a promise. Draw near to God. God's going to draw near to you. Yes. How do we draw near to God, right? We need to spend time with him. We need to talk to them. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Guys, what, what he's saying is here's the cure. Are you ready? Here is the cure to overcoming this war with the devil. He goes, what is it? He says, submit to God. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands and hearts. And he says, don't be double-minded. Be single-minded towards God. Why? James is going to tell us the double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways, right? You know what a double-minded man is? One minute they're on this side going, yeah, I think we should do this. And then he changes his mind. He goes, no, I think we should do this. And then he comes back, no, I think we're going to do this. And, and you just don't know where he stands. He's not, he's not say double-minded. Well, I believe this, but then I believe this. Well, I believe this, but then I believe this. And he says he's unstable in all his ways. You guys want to you guys want to win the war against the devil, this, this alien tripod guy? Submit to God. Be single-minded towards God. You go, well, Ben, I got a question. What's that? What does it mean to draw near to God? Well, let me give you what Spurgeon says, okay? Spurgeon considered this in a few ways. The first thing he says is it means to draw near in worship, praise, and in prayer. You want to draw near to God? It starts with worship, praise, and prayer. It means we draw near by asking counsel of God. God, what do you want to do? It means to draw near by, now listen, enjoying communion with God. Let me just say this real quick and we'll move on. When was the last time you had a date with God? Just you and God. Kicking it. Hanging out. Communing, just having a great time. Listen, it doesn't take a lot, but I will tell you this. Our Heavenly Father is dying to go for a walk around the park with you. That's all. Tell me about your day. He already knows, but he wants to commune with you. He wants to talk to you. That's what it means to draw near. And it also means to draw near, Spurgeon says, through the general course and tenor of your life near to God. Well, the rest of the chapter, guys, we're going to see the results. What happens if we draw near to God? Okay. You ready? You can jot these down. Drawing near to God helps us to what? Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Now, a lot of people misquote that, right? Or they misunderstand it. They say, you need to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I resisted him. That doesn't mean he's going to stay away. We need to continually draw near near to God, right? So Drawing near to God is going to help us resist the devil. Can I get an amen? Drawing near to God helps us become pure. That's what he says. Drawing near to God helps us to sorrow for sin. Drawing near to God helps us to speak well of other people. Drawing near to God helps us to think of eternal things. Guys, these are, I mean, think about it, right? The rest of the chapter, this is what drawing, I want to resist the devil. I want to walk in purity. I definitely want to sorrow for sin. Not only my sin, but the sin of our nation and the sin of our leaders. Sin. What does sin do? Sin completely destroys the image of God. It does. Drawing near to God, guys, helps us speak well of other people. Hey, I've got a challenge, right? I'm going to go ahead and ask Josh to come up because we're going to close. I've got a challenge. I've got a challenge. You guys ready? If drawing near to God helps us speak well of other people, could you do this for me? The rest of the week, could you offer encouragement to somebody who needs encouraging? Could you esteem somebody higher than yourself? Could you offer that encouragement? You go, well, like what? Could you say, could you tell somebody who's taking out your groceries, I'm proud of you? Whatever it might be. Could you tell the single mom, good job. I know it's hard. Hang in there. Could you tell a coworker who seems to be struggling at work, it's okay. Keep keep working hard. You'll get it. You'll get it. I believe in you. You know what that's going to do? Could we be a coach? Coaches, some coaches are really good, man. They just just help us, man. They're just good mentors. They just encourage us. Even when we stink it up on the basketball court. You know what I'm talking about? How would I do out there, coach? Oh, you stunk it up, but guess what? Listen, here's where I saw some improvement, man. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Drawing near to God, guys, helps us think of eternal things. You go, well, Ben, you talked about the cause, yes. You talked about, right? You talked about the cure and talked about the consequences. But you also said, what are the characteristics? Well, let me give them to you real quick, okay? Let's, we're going to read 11 through 17, but listen to what they say. Here's some characteristics of being worldly. He says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He speaks evil of a brother, judges his brother, speaks evil of the law, and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? What's he saying, guys? He says, guys, when we judge a brother, we put ourselves in the same place as the law, in effect, judging the law. This is something that we have no authority to do because there is only one lawgiver. So what are you saying? James says, guys, don't speak evil. Don't speak evil of one another. Don't judge somebody. We do not know the intense and the deepness of someone's heart. We should, James tells us, don't, don't have that characteristic. Don't go around going, well, you know what? And you know what? And let me tell you about this. And let me tell you about it. And that person and this. And he says, that's not who I called you to be. Verse 13 says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Guys, this is a hard issue as well. Why? James rebuked the kind of heart that lives and makes plans apart from constant awareness of the hand of God. Hey, listen, I'm going to do this. I don't care what God says. Hey, I'm going to do that. I don't care what God says. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do that. If God, if you will it, I'm in it. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Guys, James knows that it's far easier to think about it and talk about humility and dependence on God than to live it. Yet, he makes the mind of God playing. As we know these things, all the things we talked about, he says, we're accountable to do them. So the next time you go, man, I I felt like gossiping or I felt like saying something or I felt like, remember what James says. He says, don't, don't speak evil. We encourage you. Wouldn't you agree with me, guys, that life is hard enough as it is? And in the body of Christ, we don't need to be putting each other down, but we need to come and we need to lift each other up. Why? Because none of us are perfect. None of us. And we need to ask that the Holy Spirit of God, that precious, precious person, the Holy Spirit, would break us of these things that, that, just, that just grieves the Father's heart, that breaks us so that we can be all that He's called us to be. And that and that in those moments when we want to judge, that we can lift up and we can hug a brother or sister and say, I love you. You're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. Hang in there. Hang in there. And every time we're going to make a move, guys, we can say, God, I want to, I want to trust you first. I want to ask you first. I don't want to just do things and presume. I don't want to have a heart of arrogance. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to come under the authority of who you placed me under. I'm going to come under the authority of my husband. I'm going to come under the authority of the church I'm involved in. I'm going to come under. I'm going to trust you, God. So, the alien tripod we fight each day, the flesh, the world, and the devil. We have the cure. We have the cure. Submit to God. Submit to God. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for all that you've taught us. We are at war with the worldliness. We we want nothing to do with it. And now we worship you. In Jesus' name.